0: I learned a lot of lessons from my grandparents, and my grandfather on my dad's side, often we spent time working together in his wood shop. When I was uh, very young, I was only allowed to use certain kinds of tools, but I would faithfully use those tools, and I would watch grandpa as he used the bigger tools. And then as I got older, he would allow me to use some of the bigger tools. And and often in that process, we're learning to use the the bandsaw or the the sander or the planer, or eventually the big item was the table saw. And with each step up, I would ask a lot of questions. I would ask Grandpa about what this did and how to move this and what this meant. And I just kept asking. And one day I was kind of, I could, you know, it seemed like I was asking maybe too many questions and so I apologize I grandpa I'm sorry I didn't mean to ask so many questions and I'll never forget he said Toby don't ever apologize for asking a question he said there is no such thing as a dumb question if you are sincerely wanting to know that's how people learn for some reason that always stuck with me and uh, this morning I want to ask you 3 big questions. Now, this this lesson is really designed to dovetail with the elders' presentation they're going to be making later on. And so I, I want you to think, hopefully this will prepare your mind and your heart for that um, aspect, but I want you to think about these questions in your own life, in the life of your family, and how uh, what the elders have to say might give you an opportunity to answer those questions questions. Jesus was great at asking questions. Jesus was a master teacher. In fact, I think this is what made him a master teacher, is he asked questions that made people think in such a way as they'd never really thought about that before. A a good question can change your life. A good question can change your relationships. A good question can make you wealthy. A good question can change your eternity. And so uh, the, the, the first question that I think of that Jesus asked was, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You think we, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on our building, um, you know, our... our uh, Growing our assets and our getting bigger houses and and growing the retirement account and having security and wealth, uh, Jesus asked the question: What 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 good is that? What does it profit a man if he if he profits in every other area of life, but yet forfeits his soul in the process? That's a good question. Jesus asked a question of Peter, and he said, "Who do you say that I am?" Uh, some said. Elijah, some had said, one of the prophets. But Jesus, in training up Peter, wanted to know, who do you say that I am, Peter? And and, and Jesus asked a really good question to a paralyzed man, a man who was sick, who'd been sick nearly his whole life. And you would think you know the answer to the question, but not always. Jesus asked this paralyzed man, do you want to get well? See, not everyone who's sick wants to get well. And so before Jesus could heal him, Jesus had to know if he really, truly wanted to be well. Those are three simple examples. There's a multitude more. I haven't touched The hem of the garment of the questions that Jesus asked. But if you want to learn, ask a question. If you want to really learn, pay attention to the questions that Jesus asked. Now, I'm going to ask you Uh, three questions this morning, and I hope that you'll think seriously about them and how to apply them in your life. The first is, where am I leading my family? Where am I leading my family? Your family is something that God calls you to steward, to manage, to lead, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 is a well-known verse, but I want you to think about this in terms of the family. Um, The Israelites were going into that, that beautiful, to receive the promised land that they had been told about, and Joshua challenges them. And he says this, Joshua chapter 24 We'll start in verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the rivers and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua stood firm in his belief and in his understanding of the promise that he had a responsibility as the head of his household, as the leader of his family, as the patriarch, not just to to take on that role in, in, uh, as a title, to use to bludgeon others and to to rule over them with authority, but he had a responsibility. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you leading your family? Which gods are you and your family serving? See, God calls you, and especially fathers, to lead their families and to lead them well. And, and it's my personal opinion, I won't find a scripture for this, that, that God will hold you accountable for how you lead or how you don't. And maybe that's not the right way to say it. You are leading, right? You're teaching your children right now. You're teaching your spouse right now about what's important, about what matters, about how to live life. Whether you say a single word or not. Let's look to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now there's a section here on parenting and also as uh, uh, in, in marriage. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Look at this and note this, verse 4, fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, That's where I get my understanding that I think God's going to hold dads and men and husbands extra accountable because he calls us out and he, and he calls us to lead in the way that Joshua led his family. Can I ask you something to all the men who are here and to all the men who are watching at home? How are you leading your family? Are you taking that responsibility seriously? I'm not asking you to be perfect. And and there's a difference I'm asking you, are you leading well? Joshua made a decision, and leadership, I believe, starts with a decision. I have a good friend who shared this on Facebook, and I thought, now, that's just too good not to share, So, because it was coincide right with this point. He wrote this. You want to learn to lead better, men? Start with Sunday. Sundays aren't for slacking. Sundays are for leading. If you want greater success on Monday through Saturday, start with Sunday. Set the tone in your home. Help the family get around for church. And I'm, whether we're talking about couch church or church here at the building. Help the family get around. Show them that that's important. Instead of griping about how long it takes or sitting in the garage honking your horn. Get to church early, sit down front, sing loudest in worship, pray with your family and your wife often, pay attention, lead in prayer, not just at mealtimes, but at all times, be willing to bow your head and your will and your heart to God's, hold your wife's hand, Some of you didn't know that that you could do that in marriage. Discuss the sermon at lunch and ask your kids what they learned in Bible class. The list could go on and on, but the principle is the same. Your leadership doesn't end when your work week is over. Your leadership simply doesn't end, period. You are a leader. The question is, where are you leading? May we consider that. Now, as I lay that heavy burden upon our men, both here and those watching, you may say, oh, great, just another area where I don't measure up. Listen, again, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking men to make the decision. And to those of you who are here and watching online, obviously you've made a decision in that direction. And so choose each day whom you will serve and continue to make a decision in the right direction. At Northside, we also are committed to helping families do this. We don't just intend for you to figure out your way on your own and good luck to you, and, and we keep warm and well-fed. No, we, we want to help you. So we have a ministry that we call Faith by Phase. Now, you've seen some updates probably in the bulletin. Maybe you've read an email or seen something on Facebook, uh, or you've, you've, you've seen something somewhere about Faith by Phase, but my question is, have you utilized that tool? Go back to my grandfather's workshop. Grandfather made a lot of masterpieces with wood. But to do that, he had to use the right tools. It would have done him no good to have all the tools and to never use them. You realize that, Northside, uh, this is something we just take for granted. We are blessed with an infinite number of tools. Faith by Faith, they provide a focus for what to talk about, for devotionals that you can do with your family. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Simply with the act of bringing your children to class, Sundays and Wednesdays, they're getting a part of those those discussions. What a wonderful tool. See, man, and parents, if you just make the decision to bring your family to class... Uh, You can benefit from that if you just make the decision to utilize some of the devotionals. And you say, well, I haven't been getting any of those. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, talk to Elaine Denman. All right, she can make sure that you're plugged in. But but she wants families to have those resources. We don't just want to lay this burden and tell you of God's expectation and then give you no means by which to to do that. What a wonderful blessing. I hope you don't take it for granted. I hope you'll use it. The second question is, who are your five? What I mean by that is, when you think of church, I don't want you to think of the building. I want you to think of your community, the people who you seek out, the people that you want to talk to, the people that you sit by, the people that you linger after in the the foyer with, and and you're, you're clustering together and catching up on life and encouraging one another. Who are those people? I just asked five just because it's easy to remember. As you think about it right now, who are your five? It's important. And and honestly, COVID has crippled us in this area. COVID has crushed the opportunities for us to meet. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. So if you can answer the question, who are your five and you're connected, that's a good thing. And, and, And we... We believe not only is that important for each child to have five other relationships, but I think it's good for adults too. You should have people outside of your immediate family, in the church body, in the spiritual family, that make a difference to you. Yesterday was the memorial celebration service for Suzanne Dirks, and it struck me that she had uh, two families she had the family that was hers biologically, and she was very loving. She loved them very well, and she she was open to more people coming into that circle. She had a an, an extended spiritual family in the body of Christ. Suzanne had five. Suzanne had more than five. Tomorrow's service, Joy Yulman. You know, we, the family and I were meeting, and, and they were talking about all of the things that Joy did with, with so many good friends, friends. Um, over the years, and they just jumped in and did it. Uh, It it occurred to me that Joy Ullman had five. And a lot of that had to do with her serving other people. So if you don't have five people, I'll I'll tell you this, look for a way to serve. Just jump in and do it. Uh, Talking with a a good friend this morning, uh, this friend, she had reached out to Christy and said, hey, I'd like to take you to dinner. And there was no motive, there was no agenda behind that dinner, just simply to encourage her. Now, now, the reason that that dinner happened was because this friend had received a gift card from her husband to go to, I think it was Olive Garden. And this friend, instead of just using it on herself, said, who can I encourage? And she prayed about it. And, and she decided she wanted to encourage Christy. What a, what a beautiful act. But you see, in the act of serving someone else, they made a connection. They already had a connection, but they made a deeper connection. That's important. Serving happens in that way. When you find someone to serve, you find an opportunity for community. I'll give you an example. Uh, May 6, 2019. I'll never forget that date because uh, we had a baptistry in our basement. Uh, it was a shallow baptistry, but the basement was flooding. Uh, the, the The drain had gotten plugged. Water was flowing in. And it was just a mess. And it was an unexpected mess. And Toby, the independent, leave me alone, I can do it by myself type of person, was down there handling it. Of course, he had a teenage son, so that helps too. And and we were just going to get about the cleaning up of the mess. And it was a mess. But my wise wife sent out a text to our small group at the time, and, and she wasn't asking for help. She simply said, Would you please pray? We're having a terrible situation, and we really would appreciate your prayers, and uh, that's it. But within minutes um, of that text, we had a basement full of people. We had the, the Brooks and the Campbells and the Heralds who came over late at night, and help us vacuum up water and rip up carpet. And to me, that was an example I'll never forget of community and the value of community. Can I ask you something? If your basement flooded, who would you call? When we look at the church in Acts chapter 2, we can see so much that their lives were deeply woven together in so many things. They shared in... The apostles' teaching, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayers. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The, the church was a together kind of people. They wanted to be together. They were together in all things, not just in the good times, but in the hard times too. You study the number of one another scriptures throughout the New Testament, and you'll see that the church was designed to be together. COVID's m- m- made that more challenging, but it's also given us Great opportunities. Great opportunities. And if you're sitting there thinking, gosh, if I'm my basement, basement flooded, I don't know who I'd even call, then you have a great opportunity. And let me challenge you to begin serving. Look for, read your bulletin, start there. Uh, uh, call the elders, call Mark Akeley and say, how can I serve? And you'll, you'll be building a bridge into community. We also have a deacon of small groups, Jeff Garrison, and his job is to help People find groups to make connections. So if you don't know Jeff, and I'll ask them to pull the wide shot on the camera, uh, Jeff is sitting right over here. Jeff, would you stand for just a moment? That way those here at Northside and those watching online uh, can see Jeff. Jeff is committed, he's our deacon of small groups, to helping people make connections, find connections, groups who serve, groups who study, and groups who build relationships together. So if you don't have five, give Jeff a call, and he'll make sure that you get connected. Okay? Thank you, Jeff. So the last question is simply this. Who am I leading to Jesus? Who am I leading to Jesus? You know, of all the things that we do in ministry, job one is that we've the lost. And there's a lot of good things we can do, and those aren't bad things. But may we not forget, may we not lose our focus that the church isn't designed just to be a, a country club designed to serve you. The church is, is a safety vessel. It's an ark, and we want to get as many people as possible on it. So, uh, may you think about this question, who are you leading to Christ? Peter says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, to do so with gentleness and respect. You and I have great hope in Jesus the Christ, and may we always be willing and ready to share the reason for the hope that we have. If you do not have, uh, if you cannot think of someone that you are currently seeking to lead to Christ, I want you to think about Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said to the apostles, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. We are called, each Christian, individually, to, to, to be, have people on our hearts that we are seeking to reach. So here is my challenge for you. Uh, we're going to be doing a series on evangelism and reaching out later in the year. You don't have to wait for that series, though. You can start by doing this. Get out a good old fashioned piece of paper and at the top write treasures. Now, I don't want you to write treasures in terms of stocks and bonds and assets and all of that. I want you to write treasures in the way that Jesus talked about it to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, make a list of the people that you would like to have in heaven with you, that you want to be in heaven with you. I hope it's your spouse. I hope it's your children. I hope it's your grandchildren. But you make the list. Who are your treasures? And and then ask yourself, do they know Jesus? Are they faithful to Jesus? And will they be there in heaven with me? And if they're not, then pray to God over that person and ask for opportunities to share the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. And I want to just call you to be so bold. Send them a text, send them an email, send them a Facebook message and say, hey friend, you were on my heart today and here's why. Okay? So make a treasures list. All right, three simple questions, uh, lots of application. The elders are going to talk to you more about their thoughts concerning um, how we lead our families, how we come, become better connected in the body of Christ, and how we can do better at reaching the lost in a lost world. And I have one final question for you, and that is this. Do you know Jesus? Have you obeyed Jesus? If you haven't, this morning is a wonderful opportunity to do that. And if you have a need to put on Christ in baptism, you can head to the back. We have some shepherds back there. Uh, they'll be ready to receive you. Have a spiritual need, a way that we can pray for you and with you. Be glad to do that as well. Whatever needs you might have, you can head to the back uh, at this uh, invitation song.